Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin Sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ala Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem Allahümme enfa'ana Allahümme alemne ma yinfa'ana menfa'ana bima alemtene ve zilne ilmi ve amelin salihe Allahümme ce'al hâzel meclise khalisan vecihkül kerim Amin I feel like this is a little bit too loud It's okay? That would have been the moment to like actually cough into the mic. Like, are you sure? All right, Bismillah. Chapter four, worship. We're gonna go to chapter four, which is on worship. So we're still on children around the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and we talked about how he kind of uh, built an emotional connection with the children around him sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then we talked about how he taught them aqidah, really, you know, to, and how it was very practical. And then now we're on worship. He starts off with something interesting. He says, in this chapter, we will discuss adding the next building block, that of worship, ibadah. Are you sure? I feel like there's feedback. You're not hearing it? I'm like right next to you. I'm, I'm a weirdo. This thing's bothering me. Uh, that of worship, ibadah. Ibadah, the Arabic word for worship, is obedience, submission, and devotion to God. This block of worship is what cements and holds firm the block of faith or aqidah. <coughs> okay, so, what's interesting about this, I think, is that he brings up now worship after aqidah, and he's talking about how there's a relationship between the love and trust and, and such that was built in aqidah, and how that affects now the worship and how the worship actually they're, they're interconnected and the reason why uh, we come back to we come back on this to the Sunday school verse right what's the Sunday school verse someone asked you the question why were we created what is all good Sunday school Muslims answer hmm? We didn't create the jinn and the humans except to worship us, right? So the proper Sunday school answer is, we created, we were created to worship God. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he had to bring them together, okay? So remember, now we're in the chapter on worship, and before that was the chapter on belief. And he's talking about how worship is related to love, and how the worship is related to belief, okay? So Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he said, Ya'budun. يَعْبُدُونِي اَيْ يَعْرِفُونِي يَعْرِفُونِي That they know Allah Or is it يَعْلَمُونِ Can't remember right now I feel like I'm going to make a mistake on this Someone remember? I've said this before Was it يَعْلَمُونَ يَعْرِفُونِ Anyone remember? To know I know I said to know but Which one was it? Ilm or يَعْرِفُونِ I think it was يَعْرِفُونِ In any case the It's roughly similar Similar enough the point here is that we didn't create the jinn or the humans except to worship us. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, when he says, it was from the children around the Prophet he says, what does that worship mean? It means to know God. So one of the things that we take from that is that the way, part of the way that we really know God is by worshiping God. We talked about this, I think last time or the time before. And how 
the, no, the true knowledge is not the knowledge that is only in the mind, but the true knowledge is the knowledge that is shared between the mind and the heart. And so in order to have this true knowledge of God, one has to actually worship God. And in the worship of God, there's, a, there's an affirmation of belief in Him, but there's also a nurturing of what's in the heart that leads us to really know Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's talking about here now how this love is there, and this love plays out in the worship, and then that worship becomes a means by which we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says that here the Prophet taught young people to worship with three building blocks. Okay? Three building blocks. First building block is, block is that he taught them gradually. The second one is that he taught he created positive associations with the act of worship. And the third is that he rewarded the child for worship. We'll come back to each of these and maybe you'll get my controversial or maybe not controversial take on positive discipline. Should be fun. So the first is that he trained them gradually. He trained them gradually. Uh, this is extremely important. We've talked about it before. That anything that we really want it to last, we have to do it gradually. Even today I was reading, there was a post from one of our classmates in, Az, in, in Azhar, Sheikh Hamza Abdul Manik. He's, he has interesting work, mashallah. Sheikh Hamza, um, for anyone who watched the funeral of Muhammad Ali, there was a brother who recited the Quran in the beginning. That's Sheikh Hamza Abdul Manik. Uh, we were in Azhar together. And his parents sent him from a very young age to study. And they sent him all over the place. When he was like a teenager, by himself. He went to Morocco, he went to Syria, he went to Yemen. After all of these places, he came to Egypt. And we were in the same class in Egypt. Of course, obviously he had been studying for a long time before that. But he has a school in, uh, or he has a school in a masjid, a community center in Memphis. And one of the things they have is this program for uh, young kids basically to become scholars. And they focus on the children of immigrants, uh, not children of converts. Focus on children of converts. And they try to teach them uh, it's gonna, it's like three minutes, it's gonna be done. Don't worry about it. Huh? Well, this gives me an excuse to close my eyes. It's actually, it's more fun to teach when your eyes are closed. So, uh, they have this program for, for these uh, young people. They're not children, they're like teenagers, right? To teach them Islamic studies, teach them the Quran, and then in the process, they teach them some nonprofit management, they teach them martial arts, they teach them a, um, a trade. So that eventually if they go to serve the Muslim community, they don't have to rely on the sometimes whims of community life. Um, and he learned the Qur'an in Morocco on the, on the old school method, the loh, right? The wooden tablet, you have the, the piece of the, the, the reed, right? And you take the reed and you sharpen it and you dip it in the ink and you write on your wooden tablet, the, your piece that you're going to memorize for the day. And then you memorize it and then you wash off the tablet. And the next day you repeat, right? And you just learn it like this. And so they started doing this now with the kids. And it's like inner city Memphis, you know? Like the part of Memphis that nobody wants to go to. It's one of, they have one of the highest child poverty rates in the entire country, in Memphis actually. So they, you know, they're in the like inner city America using the, the reed and the tablet, and memorizing the Quran. And what he said about it was that when you memorize the Quran and you rush through it, you will always have difficulty remembering the parts that you memorized. But if you memorize the Qur'an and you take your time in the beginning, 
and you memorize the parts that you memorize, you memorize them strong and you remember them, then you, it will be hard for you to forget them later on. So what is the point that I'm trying to make? Is that there's a gradualism in that. You don't rush it. Take things step by step. Take things step by step. Wherever we are with whatever issue it is in life, whether it's intellectually, spiritually, professionally, economically, whatever it is, we didn't get there right away, and we don't leave from there right away. <laughs> okay? It's very important. Because we often have intention that's greater than our action. And that's actually important, because the scholars, they always say, amal, that the niyyah comes before the action. And sometimes you just have the niyyah, and the action will follow. You didn't even do it. So we should have good intentions, but know that we have to take proper steps. This is especially true for people who are trying to make changes. It doesn't have to mean like you weren't practicing and now you're practicing or this, or whatever it is. Whatever the thing is that you're trying to change. Maybe you're like an angry person. And you're just like, I'm too angry. I need to be less angry. That intention is not going to make you less angry tomorrow. Inshallah, it will help you over time, but it's going to take time. Being arrogant, being hating on people, you know, looking down on people, thinking you're better than people, being in a poor economic situation. I don't mean poor like poverty, like not in a good financial situation. It's going to take time to get out of it. You want to learn something, it's going to take time to learn something. You can't rush it. And this is like, it's very contrary to American culture. And that's why people like me, when we went to study, we resisted it all the time. So all of the shiuk would tell you the same thing. For example, when you study fiqh, you study fiqh on a madhab, and you start with the first text. You don't skip around. Start with the first text. After you finish the first text, you go to the second text. After you finish the second text, you go to the third text. Eight years later, alhamdulillah, you finish the third text and you know your stuff. Everyone else, Americans are like, no, 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 like, it's not so hard. Like, you can understand the third text. I'm just going to go to the third text. And you're going to be looking back in the third text for answers for the rest of your life. Because you didn't actually do it properly in the beginning. So there's a step by step. There's a method. Like, it's a method that's been proven for a thousand years. But Americans, you know, like I went to UCSD. I come up with my own method. Be jahin ten years later. Gradualism. Gradualism is very important. You want to build a community project, for example. You want to serve the community, for example. I don't like this new phenomenon. I mentioned it before. Of like people who go and they study, and then they come back and they start their own institution. Like into me in Aslan, you start your own institution. Malish. Like I'm not trying to be judgmental, but like, why? Why do you get to do your own thing? You know? So you're looking at it like, but you guys started your own thing. Yeah, but like, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that happened before <laughs> that institution, okay? And like, before we even went to study, there was a lot of community work also that happened that people don't always know about. But like, you don't just, things don't work like that, you know? Even when we started the Majlis, we were like, why don't you just get like a really big space and stuff? We're like, we don't want a big space. We want to have community. We want to teach people. We want to spend time with people. We want them to have a chance to grow. We want to have a chance to grow. And we want things to progress naturally. Because when they progress naturally, then they'll be right. And they'll be proper and everything will be fine. But if they progress in a way that's unnatural, then they progress in a way that's unnatural. It has consequences. I'm not, believe me, I'm not throwing shade at anyone. It's the problem. Anytime you say anything, people are like, well, he's talking about so-and-so. And then like, someone takes the video recording, they text it to their friend who's like part of that project. They're like, look, he's saying this about you. I'm not saying anything about anyone. It's just gradualism, okay? Second point is that he created positive associations with acts of worship. But let me finish gradualism. Where do we see this in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? That you teach children to pray when they're seven, 
and you encourage them to it more actively when they hit 10. <clears throat> this needs a lot of commentary. The actual hadith of the Prophet is you teach your children to pray at 7 and you do darb to them at 10 if they don't do it. Okay? <clears throat> I didn't intend to spend khair. We have to talk about it. The most important part of this hadith actually is that you teach them when they're seven. Okay, this is the important part. Is that you teach children to pray when they're seven and that you kind of force them to pray when they're ten. Why is that important? Because that's a big spread. Seven to ten is a lot of years. Like That's three years of actively teaching someone about the importance of prayer, setting the example, Praying yourself, showing them that you care about prayer, establishing the prayer in your home, inviting them to pray with you. And every child is different. Right? Some children, they pray really easily. MashaAllah. Like they see you praying, you ask them to pray, they come in, they pray, it's fine. Some children, they do that for like a month or two, then they stop doing that. Next thing you know, they're like eight years and ten months old, and they still don't want to pray with you. Or eight years and nine months old, and they still don't want to pray with you. And you have to remind them all the time, and then they don't like it, and then like, because you're like, alhamdulillah, I have another year. <laughs> like, you know, you have, but you have seven, you know, for example. But you have seven, eight, nine, before they hit the age ten, when it's like really, really serious, right? But this is all time that I'm supposed to be working with them, trying to help them to understand it, giving them the opportunity to build that relationship with their prayer. Then the Prophet said that you hit them at ten if they don't pray. So... <clears throat> You know, one of the problems that we have in our community is that we want to understand everything all the time according to what we understand. Which means that I made <coughs> I made a mujtahid mutlaq out of myself. I'm the mujtahid imam. I read the hadith, I'll interpret what the hadith means. No, it doesn't work that way. It hasn't worked that way for 1400 years. There's no reason why it should be working that way. It causes problems. This is not like a, our tradition wasn't born yesterday. Right? To use the American expression. Our tradition didn't just fall off the turnip truck. Like there's a lot of conversation that's happened around what does this mean? What does it mean? And it's actually really interesting to see what different scholars said about this. But there's an important principle at play. And Elizabeth Abdus Sanami talks about this. Rahimullah is one of the great scholars. He lived in Egypt. He was Shafi'i in his madhab. All pre all pre modern scholars were had a madhab. So you know, we've we've talked about that before. But like you literally can't go in the library and pick a scholar and not know what their madhab was. It doesn't happen. Every, everyone had a madhab. Um, so he talked about the idea of hitting in general. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the idea of hitting in general. Is hitting in general allowed in Islam? Yes? Where would it be in general? Huh? Okay. That's, that's specific though. As a general thing. As a general thing, like, are we normally, like in normal interaction? You know, you tell someone to get coffee for you, they don't get the coffee, you just smack them on the head. No. Generally speaking, you can't hit people. Okay? Did the Prophet ever hit anyone except in jihad? No. That's clear in the hadith, the Prophet didn't hit anyone except in jihad. 
There are particular narrations now. There's the narration that we're talking that was mentioned in the Quran about one striking their spouse, uh, or specifically about a husband striking their wife. And then there's this hadith that's about um, physically disciplining children. Okay. So the scholars, when they talked about this, let's focus on children right now. Um, this is the starting point: is that that is an exception from the norm. The norm is you don't hit anyone. So now there's an exception from this norm in particular circumstances. The overarching uh, way that the Sharia works is that the Sharia seeks to bring benefit and prevent harm. So why would there be a particular exemption? Again, focus on children. Why would there be an exemption? Yes. Can we come back to it? Yeah, I, I mean, just clarifying for my own understanding. Yeah, inshallah, we'll come back to it. Uh, the Arabic language is extremely vast. So, uh, anyways, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Um, so, you have a general principle, which is you don't hit anyone. Okay. <coughs> We're going to use Understand darb right now On its Darb is the word that's used Understand it as its Al-mutabadir ila dhihn Ma'na Ma'nahu Fil-mutabadir ila dhihn Is that it means Actually hitting someone We'll come to possible Alternative uh, Interpretations in a second But the normative Understanding of what this word means Is that it means to hit Okay So And that's why there's all this Commentary around it there wouldn't be any commentary if it didn't mean that, right? So we're going to come to it. We're going to come to it. Uh, so, Allahumma salli wa sallam Muhammad. Those moments when you're sitting and you're like, you know what? I should have skipped this section. <laughs> yeah, no, we really should do it, but like, it's been a long weekend. I request you to read Surah Al-Fatiha and make du'a for our uncle in Hawaii Siba. May Allah have mercy on him. May Allah elevate his rank. May Allah accept from him. May Allah forgive him. May Allah give patience to his family. Allahumma uh, amin. And Allah help us to continue to benefit from him. Um, so if we're focusing on children to start, what he says is the general principle, there's no hitting. The Sharia as a whole, general principle is, it's the teachings are there to bring benefit and prevent harm. Okay? General rule. So if there's, if there's a, a, a recommendation from the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith to physically discipline a child at the age of 10 in order to get them to pray, then that uh, recommendation, man, there's so many issues. Someone say it's not a recommendation, it's a command. What does the command mean in the Arabic language is its own conversation. So I'm just going to translate it as recommendation. Okay. So that recommendation is uh, contingent upon benefit. This is the point. It's contingent upon benefit. So the scholars, even when they comment on this hadith, they say, first of all, no one's allowed to hit anyone in like a domestic setting in any way that leaves any mark. 
Okay, this is the first principle. So we're not talking about like beating someone. That's the problem with translation. Beating someone isn't what's being talked about here. Okay, talking about physically disciplining. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Physically disciplining someone in a way that leaves uh, leaves a mark cannot do. Number two is it has to be related to some sort of benefit. Uh, where's Asnawi or someone? Mawlana, Mustahil Mawlana. Assalamu alaikum. Mawlana, Assalamu Mustahil. Lazan, you have to sit here. Mustahil. No, no, no. Mustahil. This is Sheikh Abdullah Deeb. I have the the uh, blessing and the fortune to be his student in Quran. May may that be true, inshallah. I, I like to think that he's my teacher and I like to think that I'm his student. Uh, but I have taken classes with him in Quran, alhamdulillah. So, um, so it feels very awkward to have him sit there and me sit here. But he said, if I don't obey, he's going to leave. <laughs> so, now I'm stuck. All right. Uh, so the second principle, the second issue then is, there has to be some benefit in it. So what did they say? They said, if someone believes, and they have to think about this as a parent, okay? If they believe that physically disciplining their child in a way that does not leave a mark is going to make the situation worse, then they cannot do it. Not they shouldn't do it, they cannot do it because the default ruling of hitting is that it's haram. It's the default ruling, is that it's haram. There's an exception now in, this, in certain cases for a perceived benefit. If the benefit is not going to be there, it becomes haram then. Okay. Take a step back again. Let's take a step, another step back. When I was in college, I think it was in college, we were doing psychology, and they were talking about psychology and how things change in different contexts. Of course, we have this in fiqh too. We have this in fiqh too. So they did this research where they talked to children. I think I mentioned this before. Where they talked to children whose parents are from Korea. And some of these children are raised in Korea, and some of them are raised here. Okay? And I wanted to see what do these children think about physical disciplining. Right? being spanked and stuff and like you know there is an understanding that traditional let's say methods of parenting in Korean families were very harsh so uh, I grew up with a lot of Korean kids actually in Torrance so I can <laughs> from my personal experience this was true so they asked these kids what do you think the kids who were born and raised in Korea said that if their parents didn't do this to them they would think their parents didn't care about them the kids who were raised in America they asked them the same thing. What did they say? They said if their parents do this to them, they think their parents don't care about them. Opposite conclusion. Opposite conclusion with a different cultural circumstance. Opposite conclusion. So if you take this and you think like, okay, generally speaking, like, obviously we have the law of the land, which is the same actually in some ways as the Sharia. Like the California law is very similar to the rule that is in, is in the Sharia, around like, at what level can you physically discipline your child? Um, but then on top of it is the question of benefit, okay? All of this is to say what? It's to say, don't be ghabi. Think about the situation, do what is going to be in the benefit of the child, 
do everything you need in order to make them love Salat, in order to make them want to pray, in order to make them want to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, put the love of the Prophet in their heart, and so on and so forth. In a society that, generally speaking, looks down, generally speaking, on physically disciplining children, it's probably not going to have positive impacts. Allahu A'lam. It's probably not going to have it. Uh, so, you know, you must consider this. Are you allowed to do it just out of like anger? No. It has to be like this is something that's done with some aql, not just out of like anger or something. Uh, so, most of the time it's probably not going to happen. Come back to the Quran and the verse about women. So, there are like people who will take some of these interpretations for dar, that it means to like. The thing is, is that words take different meanings when they have... I don't know all the words in English. I learned... Whenever people try to translate Arabic grammar to English, I can't understand it. But, like, I don't know what a harf is in English. Preposition? Anyone? Anyways. When you use the verb with the different... Preposition? No, no, not the conjugation. Like, daraba fi, daraba ala, daraba ila, these all have different meanings. Prepositions. Prepositions. They all have different meanings. The verse doesn't have that. So, the verse has no preposition. And with no preposition, it usually means to physically strike something. Are there inter alternative interpretations? There probably are. We should ask Sheikh Abdullah. Put him on the spot. I think we talked about this actually one time. And you shared with me your prescription. Your, your <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> now we have to ask you too, so I think it's appropriate if we bring the chair so that we can, because just because the mic is here, the mic is here, so then if we take the mic all the way over there, it'll be hard for you to answer. So if we could hear from you, you know, your perspective on the, the meaning of this, uh, it would be really great, inshallah. I'm coming to I wasn't going to do it. Best the respected sister asked a question, and you and I, we talked about this before. <laughs> and I know that you have an opinion on it. Uh, that may be, it may be a benefit to the people. It's like, I'm not on Zoom anymore. The Sheikh is actually here. It's so nice. Actually, Wadribuhun, the Dharb, means an ibtiat, means to be far from the person. There is no word, dharb, physical, to, to hate someone. Man hit his wife, or, or yani, the opposite. There is no, in Islam, there is something physical, hate. But the real meaning for al-dharb, fadri means uh, make destiny between you and her. Stay away from her. So even at the beginning of the problem, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, 
absorbed in the last stage. What that mean? Last stage, when there is no way, just leave her and go. But never, ever, an Islam allow the husband to hate his wife. There is nothing in Islam. I'm with my, my wife almost four years. She's right there. I never, ever touch her. Never. Why? Because when I was, you know, a student, I realized the meaning of this ayah. Okay. And alhamdulillah, I don't need yani, to do anything because mashallah, she's righteous, so and so. So we need to conclude with something. <coughs> there is no darb shud darb in that's the problem. Okay. Hey, yeah. Goodness. Basically, to hate the person, husband to wife or wife to husband. That's possible, by the way. So. <laughs> this is this is one of the opinion. Is the the strong opinion? The strong opinion. Adorb means to stay away from. To stay away from. Some of them say. Okay, hit her or hit him, okay, but it's like, you know, just to tell him that I'm not satisfied, I'm, I'm not happy with that, or I'm angry with that, whatever. But physical dog, which is hate, is not permissible in Islam. That's it. Wallahi, if you allow me just to mention one word, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless me to be with Sidi Jamal, to serve him, to be with him. Because Wallahi, he is master to me. Because subhanAllah, I know him for a long time. I see the characters that Allah blessed him with. Wallah, I'm being honest with you. Wallahi, he is like Sahabi. Why? Because whatever he learned, observed from the Islam Sharia, and he tried to practice it and work on it. And I think sister, his wife, she told me one day about his characters. I said, Wallahi, whatever I have been seen is correct. <clears throat> so, my humble, you know, I don't want to say advice or <clears throat> my humble request, if you can stick with people like Sidi Jamal or Sidi Fuad also, Wallahi, stick with him and don't stay away from them because subhanAllah, there is empty space in the heart. Nothing nothing fit this empty space except the remembering of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except to be to have a company with the righteous and good people okay those is that lead you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so to be present with Imam like Sidi Jamal or Sidi Fuad example this is more than treasure. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase their knowledge, 
to benefit us, insha'Allah ta'ala. And he requests from me to share with you some few verses from Al-Quran Al-Kareem, because unfortunately my English language is not helping me to say some other thing. So Quran, so. Inshallah ta'ala we are going to recite few verses from Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Please, if you, if you can, everyone in this room, <coughs> to listen, not to me, to the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with heart present, inshallah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعباد الرحمن الذين يمشون على الأرض هونا وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما <تصفيق> وعباد الرحمن الذين يمشون على الأرض هونا وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما والذين يبيتون لربهم سجدا وقياما والذين يبيتون لربهم سجدا وقياما والذين يقولون ربنا اصرف عنا عذاب جهنم إن عذابها كان غراما إنها
والذين إذا أنفقوا لم يسرفوا ولم يقتوا وكان بين ذلك قواما والذين لا يدعون مع الله إلها آخر ولا يقتلون النفس التي حرم الله إلا بالحق ولا يزنون ومن يفعل ذلك يلقى أفاما يضاعف له العذاب يوم القيامة ويخلد فيه مهانا إلا من تاب إلا من فأولئك يبدل الله سيئاتهم حسنات وكان الله غفورا رحيما ومن تاب وعمل صالحا فإنه يتوب إلى الله متابا والذين لا يشهدون والذين إذا ذكروا بآيات ربهم لم يخروا عليها صما وعميانا 
to make all of us 
among those listening in their ear and in their heart. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to transform this ayat to actions, to akhlaq, to work on it, to deal with each other through this ayat. This is message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from, from one of the adab to recite of Quran al Kareem, I want to just share this with you and I will stop. Okay, because I'm not allowed to talk I see the Jaman, he's a present. My Sheikh used to tell me something, Wallahi it's amazing. Wallahi it makes sense to me and I think to each one of you. When he said, Rahimahullah wa ta'ala, when you want to start recite Al-Quran and to memorize Al-Quran, you have to have the adab, adab etiquette. First of all, you have to make wudu, right? That's what we learned from Musa. So this is the, it's nice from the adab to make wudu. But wudu, there is two wudu. Wudu from outside to wash your face, your hand, your foot. And this is from outside. And there is another wudu. Another wudu, what are you talking about? He said, you have to make wudu to your heart. They call it wudu al-qalb. To empty your heart from anything except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you empty your heart, so you allow the light of Allah to enter your heart. You allow the angel of Allah to touch your heart. If the angel of Allah touch your heart, Wallah, you will be the most happy person in this land. Ever. Ever. Let's say this gathering right now. This gathering. We remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We learn from Sidi Jamal some, you know, adab from, yani, uh, some knowledge. We seek knowledge. You know who's with us right now? Which is, the Prophet sallallahu mentioned that clearly. He said, this is authentic hadith, right? <laughs> this is, we call it masjid. Don't think ever that masjid, only that masjid, Irvine masjid or other masjid. Or Mishifiyahu masjid. This is the only masjid. No, this is, could be masjid. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, Make your houses as qibla means establish a prayer in your in your house so if you have a room in your house you call it you can't call it this is my masjid i pray here all the time so if you sit remember allah azza wa jal read some quran read some book you know remind you of allah azza wa jal this is this majlis wallahi whatever the hadith said that the angels of Allah, they will be surround us. The, the mercy and the blessing of Allah, it will be the sound right now. You feel good. Why? Imagine you are, you sitting right now with the angels of Allah. And the mercy of Allah, it will be the same and upon all of you. The, oh, there is something 
I don't want to say better, but something amazing. وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ And Allah, He will mention each one of you with the people better than these people. Who's the better than these people? مَلَائِكَةُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ So, over again and again, stick with these majalis. Wallahi, this dunya is full with sadness, busy, hard work. We need sometimes a free time to spend it with Allah Azza wa Jal, with remembering of Allah Azza wa Jal. Your husband or you or, or family, they have business, they work, 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 just to pay the bills and this and that. Wallah, this heart has become like a stone. We need something to break this stone, to it's like break these eyes. That's nothing full this empty space except remembering Allah Azza wa Jal. That's what we hear all the time from CD for the Sheikh Jamal Diwan Hafidahullah. فأسأل الله عز وجل لي ولكم دوام هذه النعمة نعمة ذكر الله ونعمة نعمة هذا المجلس المبارك هذا والله مجلس مبارك يا أحباب I'm not saying just word I'm telling you something I feel it I taste it you know and I'm going to ending with a very famous hadith that each one of you each one of us maybe memorize it and hear it several times. The hadith with the Prophet said, three think whoever has it, he will able to taste the sweetness of faith. He will able to fill this empty space in the heart. You know what the first one? The first one to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger more than anything. And only this part I can talk hours and hours. And supported with ayat and hadith, another hadith. Talk about the love of Allah and His Messenger. How it's going to change your life. How it's make, going to make you very successful in this dunya and in the akhirah. To love one another in a second for the sake of Allah Azza wa How amazing, how beautiful to support one another. To love one another for Allah Azza wa And the third one, I don't want to keep talking. I want to here from Sidi Jamal, inshallah. The third one, to hate, to go back, to hate the most, to go back to disbelieve, right Sidi? More than to be thrown in the fire. Allahu Akbar. Means, be firm. How I can be firm? Can I give you a shortcut for that? Something small and simple. Wallahi, nothing going to make you Stick with Allah, accept, keep knocking the, the door of Allah. Keep knocking the door of Allah. With all your matter in, matter in this life, with everything, say, Ya Rabb, I have no one. I have no one except you. I have problem one, two, three, four, five. No one can remove it except you, Ya Allah. Just keep knocking, but with the adab. What the adab means? Lower your wing. Try to be humble yourself to Allah Azza wa Jal, to your brothers and sisters. Humble yourself. Arrogance is no good. Nobody loves arrogance. No, because I have my position, this is prestige. Forget prestige, forget all this stuff. Just be humble for Allah Azza wa Jal. Humble to people. 
try to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet وسلم, in the Quran وَاخْفِضْ جَنَاحَكَ لِمَنِ اتَّبَعَكَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ صح سيدي ولا أنخبص وَاخْفِضْ جَنَاحَكَ لِمَنِ اتَّبَعَكَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ This is message There is message behind it Means if the Prophet if Allah told the Prophet وسلم, this What about me? I have to do anything for my brothers and my sisters You know I can't do anything But the nafs and the shaitan and this and that so sometimes stop us from doing khair we ask Allah to allow us to do the khair all the time insha'Allah ta'ala hada wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammad wa sahbihi ajma'in bismillahirrahmanirrahim صلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا وحبيبنا وقرة عيوننا سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين يا ربنا لك الحمد حق حمدك كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك وعظيم سلطانك يا رب سبحانك سبحانك لا نحسي فناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم لك الحمد ولك الشكر أن جمعتنا في هذا المجلس المبارك اللهم أفض علينا من فيوضاتك وأنوارك ورحماتك وبركاتك ما يليق بكرمك وجودك وعطائك اللهم أعطي كل واحد منا سؤله اللهم اقضي كل منا حاجته فيما يرضيك عنا يا رب العالمين اللهم اجعل جمعنا مرحوما وتفرقنا معصوما ولا تجعل فينا ولا معنا شقيا ولا محروما ولا مطرودا من رحمتك ولا مطرودا عن بابك يا رب العالمين ولا مقدرا عليه في الرزق يا أكرم الأكرمين اللهم أعطنا ولا تحرمنا وآثرنا ولا تؤثر علينا وفقنا إلى محابك من الأعمال يا رب خذ بأيدينا إلى ما يرضيك عنا اللهم بارك في بناتنا وفي أبنائنا اللهم بارك في بنات المسلمين وفي شباب المسلمين اللهم ثبتنا وإياهم بالقول الثابت اللهم احفظنا من الزلل اللهم احفظنا وأبناءنا من الزلل واحفظنا وجميع المسلمين يا رب من أن نعصيك يا رب العالمين اللهم خذ بأيدينا إليك اللهم خذ بنواصينا إليك ودلنا بفضلك عليك يا رب العالمين اللهم إنا نسألك حبك وحب من يحبك وحب عمل صالح يقربنا, يقربنا إلى حبك واجعل يا رب حبك وحب أحبابك والمؤمنين أحب الأشياء إلى قلوبنا وباركنا في أساتذتنا ومشايخنا اللهم باركنا فيهم يا رب العالمين اللهم اجزهم عنا خير الجزاء اجزهم عنا خير ما جازيت أستاذا وشيخا عن تلامذته ومنيديه اللهم وفقنا جميعا إلى محابك من الأعمال وخذ بأيدينا إلى ما يرضيك عنا املأ قلوبنا من محبتك املأ قلوبنا من خشيتك أعطنا يا رب فوق ما تعطي السائلين كرما وفضلا وجودا لا عن استحقاق واغفر لهم لنا والوالدين ولمشايخنا ولأرباب الحقوق علينا وللسادة الحاضرين جميعا ولوالديهم وللمسلمين أجمعين ولمن علمنا ولمن أدبنا ولمن أحسن إلينا ولمن صنع معنا معروفة يا رب جازه بالإحسان إحسانا 
ومن إساءة عفوا وصفحا وغفرانا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين أوصيكم وصية وصية to each one of you stick with Sidi Jamal stick with him you know what that means إلزموا هذا الرجل الصالح العبد الصالح and I call him Al-Abd Al-Salih. Wallahi, every session I have with him to learn, to study Quran together, Wallahi, I feel shy from him. Wallahi. I feel he's so closer to Allah than me. So, just humble advice, stick with this righteous man, Al-Abd Al-Salih. Walhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. Allah, 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 Allah,